0: Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald, and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. The world around us offers up so much in the way of wonder and intrigue. And ponder the world of natural science or even the complexity of our own species and all that entails from a social cultural and biological perspective i mean it's utterly compelling to observe how all of these elements intermix combine and ultimately redefine themselves over time you could consider this interplay between us and our environment a factory of story if you will which endlessly pumps out content sadly much of what is produced is flying over our head due to the sheer speed, volume, and intricacy of it all. Unfortunately, there are those out there who are doing their absolute damnedest to capture and document what they can. On today's show, we have a guest many of you might consider to be one of the very best out there at recognizing, recording, and chronicling such stories for audiences the world over. All right, welcome to the show. So, Latif Nasser is a man of many interests, passions, and activity. Distilling his varied professional pursuits down to a few, you'd probably end up with an uber-talented researcher, writer, and presenter. Equipped with an undergrad from Dartmouth College and PhD from Harvard's History of Science Department, his official duties include being the director of research and co-host of WNYC Studios Radio Lab. Yeah, Radio Lab one of the most influential and beloved podcasts and public radio shows ever. Latif is also the host of the Netflix docuseries Connected, which explores how humans are connected to each other and the universe. Further, he created and hosted the podcast The Other Latif, an investigative series in which Nasser explored the story of Guantanamo Bay detention detainee Abdul Latif Nasser. Now, aside from his expert skill in the curation of topic matter for Radiolab or his meticulous care for fact and detail, Latif's other superhuman quality may just be his innate ability to weave data, facts, and stories together in such ways that spark imagination and thought within others. Resultantly, it's of little surprise he's so widely respected and accomplished or has been asked to give two TED Talks or even contribute to the Boston Globe Ideas section. And For those just discovering Latif through this podcast, Perhaps the most apt way to describe him in his work would be to reference WNYC Studios' own website. There, he's described as a guy who has investigated and reported on a little of everything. From snowflake photography, medieval robots, to a polar bear who liked to have sex with grizzly bears. With all that stated, Latif, it's an absolute honor to welcome you to the program. How are you doing?
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. You know that intro wasn't long enough. I wish you had just kept going. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. You know
0: what? So For some people, it is a bit mildly uncomfortable, right? Like I can imagine it would be <laughs> kind of um, sitting there and all this phrase and all these things. Yeah, yeah. It must be a little. Yeah, bit.
1: I feel like you could have just put it as like life as a nerd like what's life like as a nerd that's what you could have just started uh and that would have been sufficient for me uh but uh yeah thank you very much that was very oh no,
0: no 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 uh, really you're it. getting back to that that intro right there too at the end i was i was really debating that last little bit from the wnyc studios uh website you know the uh the middle your your coverage of medieval robots no fate photography and the the, the bears
1: the bear the bear in particular oh that story i love that story because like yeah not to not to short circuit all the other stuff we're going to talk about but like that story it's like it's it's the story of, of um these hybrid bears and 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 everyone thought it was like oh there's like a whole new species of bear being created because of like climate change like we're watching evolution in action and la 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 and then it turned out it was just one female polar bear who liked to have sex with grizzly bears <laughs> and she did so with multiple grizzly bears over multiple years um and then kind of and then and then had this family this like very kind of inbred complicated not particularly <laughs> evolutionarily fit family but yeah anyway it's a it's a great story yeah, uh it's yeah. one of my favorite that i've ever done
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's representative, in a sense, of of what you do, which is find these amazing stories. And I think that's part of, you know, the magic and what I was trying to hopefully convey when I was uh, introducing you. (laughs) uh,
1: Thank you. Anyway,
0: maybe we should get into all of this. I do have the first segment lined up, and it's something called Coloring Wikipedia. Great. As my listeners know, it's a segment where I just kind of read off a definition of the person's profession, sometimes their industry and what they're involved with. And I do it for a couple of reasons. One, it brings everybody up to speed on what it is. And another reason, too, is I think it's interesting is that like each person puts their own stamp on what they do. You can hold the same title, but you, you begin to own it. And I think that takes on its own sort of life in, in, in many different ways. So I think yeah. it's interesting. It's a compelling point to, to start a discussion. So anyway, I do, you know, I understand we're probably going to get to your role as a host at some point. Sure. But I do want to start here with director of research, if that's all right. right. Sure. And yeah, unfortunately, Wikipedia is letting us down. They didn't really have an adequate definition, surprisingly, for that profession, but I did find something from the career site Zipia. And uh, let me just read that off for you. And perhaps as I'm reading, you can just kind of consider what you've done, what you are doing, and uh, you can comment after. Sound good? Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Here we go. Research director. Research directors oversee the research initiatives of the company. They're usually deployed in academia, research facilities, or companies with research and development departments. They set research goals aligned with the company's vision. They also ensure that all research activities are significant and would have an impact. They usually aim to complete research work and would contribute to the advancement of their field. Research directors provide strategic direction on how to complete the research goals they guide their team of researchers to work more efficiently and more productively. They also lead the team in networking activities. There you go. Kind of like that last sentence. It's a funny one, but anyway, <laughs> I'll let you take it from there.
1: <laughs> um, so let me start by saying, I mean, I love Wikipedia. I, I, I'm I'm sad Wikipedia let us down, but but the the, the what you just read was so corporate as to be unrecognizable to me right i don't know who does that job that you just said but it's not me um so so the background of my my, that what used to be my job title director of research it uh, before i became co-host that was kind of like a like a completely made-up title that uh so what what had happened was at at that point like that was right, right around the time when i was graduating from grad school. And I was just like, oh, journalism, this seems like a cool thing. So then, and then I, I heard this show Radio Lab. I kind of fell in love with it. And I sort of started pitching them stories. I kind of just I sort of just started like like haunting their offices. Like they would like they, at some point I was pitching so many stories that they were like, oh, why don't you just come to the pitch meeting anyway? You can just explain your stories that you're pitching better because you're nice. pitching every week anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway, so so at some point I was sort of haunting that those offices. And then at some point they were like, OK, I guess we just like oh you you don't already work here like okay we're just going to hire you so they kind of made up a title for me in hiring me and uh and and it, it was like they needed several things like they needed someone yeah. to start up at that point the st- show didn't have fact checking so they were like oh, okay we kind of need someone to start up fact checking and then also you like we want you to be a reporter but like it it, it was sort of just a, gr- a slushy grab bag of stuff. It was like, oh, can you also do social media and stuff too? Like, it, it was like, it was very, very, I was kind of very early stages in the in the field. And I think even in podcasting as a field, like w- that was like pre-serial and pre, all these things where it was like, we were still just sort of figuring out what we were doing. And and it was kind of just a, like it, it was a v- important but vague sounding title that they could just sort of come up with that I was like, yeah, okay, that works for me. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that, and and it was funny, like when they when they were sort of like like drawing the role in a way, um, I think they had a sense that they wanted to hire me because I was, and so they they came up with this title and they came up with the job description and it was like, this person needs to have a PhD in the history of science, which is like what I had, which is like <laughs> clearly an absurd thing. Like why would a right. public radio yes. show need to hire someone yeah. with a PhD in the history of science? Yeah. That's like a very yeah obscure degree. Um, but then what happened was when they did that, all my friends kept emailing me being like, radio lab needs a PhD in history science. Can you please put in an application for me? Like, I'm I'm going to put in an application. Like, would you please like, re- like, I know you're close with them. Like, write me a letter of recommendation or whatever it was. And, uh, but it was just the most absurd thing. Like it, it was, it was a completely made up title that like, but, but, but anyway, and, and all the things you said, like someone who makes things more efficient and I'm like, I do none of those things. I am the least efficient human being. Um. <laughs> So yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, it sounds like in, in that title Well, one, it sounds nice. I mean, it's a nice little title. It's a
1: very it's nice title. sounding title, yeah, I agree. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then two, I suppose, I mean, it sounds like it exposed you to so many different things. And I'm, you know, the, the experiences that you were sort of garnering yeah. while, you know, yeah. doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that probably helped totally. you a lot.
1: Yeah. And also, I think my background in grad school, it 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 sort of helped me to be, I think a little bit like I was like radio labs librarian or something where i was like people would just uh, other reporters would come to me with questions or even as we were fact checking questions would come up where you'd be like oh how do we we need this really specific piece of information and then having spent sort of as long as i did in in grad school hanging out in academic libraries and that kind of thing i was like oh okay i i have a sense of how we could look this up so 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 i had kind of i did have a sort of like a kind of a research skill, uh, uh, that I had built up over years. Um, and, and that was a thing that kind of did end up being helpful, not just for myself, but then for other people on staff. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, just to confirm as well. So now, of course, being a, the co-host of Radio Lab, does this, this role now has been sort of phased out? Like you're not.
1: Kind of. I mean, it's all it's I feel like it's all pretend anyway. Like when you when you're when you're uh, unless you're at a sort of big fancy, I don't know, some giant multinational hyper specialized, you know, place yeah. where where roles are very circumscribed or you're in the military yeah. or something like yeah. Radio Lab, even though now it has I mean, it has way more people than it had when I started, but like maybe it has like twenty people or something. Okay. um but even then, like, I mean we're big for a podcast, but like for a company, let's say, like it's still fairly uh small in the sense that like there are a lot of utility players, like everyone's kind of going around doing yeah. very specific things and there there are so many parts of the job, and th- there's certainly some people who are more specialized than others, but like I mean i do I do do you know, I'm the co-host, but I also like, I love writing web copy. I do that all the time. I'll, I'll, I'll book interviews. Sometimes I'm, you know, cutting select sometimes I'm doing this sometimes I'm doing that sometimes there's a lot of parts to the job. Um, and so, yeah, so co-host is definitely one part of it. You know, editor is one part of it. Booker is one part of it. You know, pre-interviewer is one part of it. Like, like pitcher is one part of it. Like, so they're all, I don't know. It's it's kind of a stitch together. All Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I kind of, I had this vision in my head of you, you know, like having this role, but then also being co-host. And I'm sure like people want to pick your brain on how you're coming up with these stories and and what you're yeah. doing. To, you know, you've, you've got a track record now, I think I would assume. And yeah, you just mentioned and having 20 people working there. You probably have a lot of people under you that are like looking up to you and like, well, you know, help me out here a little bit. Like, how, how do you do this? What are you doing to, to, you know, undercover all that you do? And, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're really lucky as a team that like like certain people have certain skills. So like composers or, you know, people who are really good at like the kind of like middle phase of production, let's say. Yeah. But me, I'm as you said, like the thing I'm most excited about, the thing that I love, the thing that like I get up in the morning to do is that early phase. It's like finding new stories, hunting for yeah. new stories. Like like that that is that's that's the thing I love the most and and that it, it takes a lot of like kind of good detailed research to find yeah. to find original stories and to then make sure that they are true
0: yeah well there's some of the magic right there i think of radio lab and that's what that's what's made you know the program what it is and continues to be so yeah excellent in, in terms of i guess you know how things have been going obviously we're, we're gonna get this later on but uh last year big big changes you know when you took on the role of co-host and dad Appenrod, you know stepping down yeah yeah how, how's that been going for you guys you both you and lulu
1: it's great. It's great. I mean, it, it feels weirdly. Uh, it almost. I feel like like my answer to that is almost like an anticlimax. Like it's like it's actually probably. I feel like they taught us both. Lulu and I kind of grew up in the. Uh, you almost think of it like it's like a, like a mechanics garage where like we're like working on stories all day mm-hmm. and like we grew up as kids like like watching Jad and Robert and and everybody like 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 yeah. do that very thing. So so I think yeah. like in our bones like a lot of those same moves are are the ones we learned from jad and robert and um, and and ellen and And there are a whole bunch of people kind of who who used to be at the show who are no longer but but i feel like still very much bear a kind of stamp of it at the same time though like I i like to think uh that lulu and i bring you know our own weirdness and our own questions and our own sensibilities and yeah and and things we sort of find ticklish that maybe maybe other people maybe even jad and robert wouldn't have
0: yeah well that's part of the magic too is is just that and it's part of the evolution of it all and uh, yeah i can attest to that i mean you know i've been listening to radio lab for years and years and through the transition as well and of course yeah it, it does sound a little bit different at times but you can still like you said like the essence of the show is still very much there And if anything, it adds, you know, like what what you're taking away from it now is kind of a new element to it, which is, uh, you know, delivers, you know, listeners can derive a new sense of, you know, enjoyment from it as well. So,
1: yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, like for me, I mean, I I feel like at the beginning, I was definitely uh, like they're big shoes to fill. So you're you're very nervous about it. But then I think at some point it's just like, you know what? I'm never going to fill these shoes. These are not my shoes. I'm just going to make my own new shoes. uh, And that's okay. Like and and. And, you know, the back catalog exists. If people want to listen to that, it's yeah. there. They can listen to it, right. but we're going to make some new stuff. And yeah, and it'll be what it'll be. And, sure. and, uh, yeah. So, so kind of, I feel like Lulu and I both sort of made peace with that pretty early on. And now we're just trying to, yeah, we're, we're trying to, you know, let our respective freak flags fly, nerd freak flags fly. Yeah. And, yeah, and so awesome. far we're having fun. We're having a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it's sounding good too. All right. Well, maybe we could skip on over and do a new segment here. Lots of Q&A discovery to kind of continue this back and forth. But I have this Mm -hmm. first question lined up and I kind of like to rewind a little bit here to a bit of a backstory, you know, about you, you you know. I understand that you grew up in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, just outside of Toronto. And I'd love to know how you, for one, you grew up there. And then ended up in LA, you know, eventually now co-hosting one of the most popular, influential radio and podcast programs, also the Netflix series, you know, all these different amazing things that you've been part of. How did it uh, get all started there
1: for you? Uh, for me, the way it got started was, well, so I, I, like, to me, I kind of, I kind of chart it in a way through my, like, through how I felt about science over, this is kind of a weird way to answer the question, but like. When I was, so, so I kind of was an ordinary kid, immigrant parents, like in Canada, that is, you know, it's most people, I guess, right, um, right. but um, yeah, so, so growing up in Canada, I feel like I, I really, I really liked science until about high school and I kind of, like, I kind of, yeah, like I just remember I, I had a few teachers, like, and I just went to the public school, like kind of down the street from my house and I had a few science teachers who I, who I didn't really, who kind of, I don't know, just. I didn't, I I didn't love it. Like they just, they sort of, they, they sort of, yeah, they snuffed it out for me. And, and, wow. and I don't th- like, I, I actually later learned like one of, one of them, it wasn't even her fault. She had some kind of like brain issue. And then like, mm-hmm. like anyway, well, for whatever reason, like they, they, they weren't the, the most, it just wasn't matching up for, for you. Personally, it wasn't yeah. match. And, yeah. and, and, and I just, I just felt like I was like, I just, I just, ha- I turned on science. I just hated yeah. it. And I was like, this is so boring. Like, why are you telling me stuff about the boiling point of this element? Like, wh- why are you giving me answers to questions yeah. I never asked and I don't even care about? Um, yeah. From there, like in, in high school, I got really interested in studying theater. I actually, then I transferred, I, I did, I went to high school at, at this place, also in Canada, in the, on the other side of Canada, uh, called Pearson College, um, okay. which is a kind of a tiny, um boarding school, but like magical, magical place that mm. totally changed the future of my life. And 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 yeah, it's like a it's a kind of a like people have called it like a Hogwartsy type type place. It's it's really incredible. Yeah. Um and that was a that was a place where I kind of like it sort of hit the reset button for me where I was like, oh wow, like the world is a really, really interesting place. Mm. Um mm. and there's sort of like I don't know, I, I feel like I'd written I'd written a lot off. And, and from there is sort of kind of graduating from there. I was like, oh, I can do I can do anything. I, the thing I actually fell in love with there was a theater. OK. And that's when uh, so I, I applied to schools here in the in the States. And and the thing that kind of drew me uh, to go to school here as opposed to in Canada was kind of the liberal arts college model. You know, I, I really kind of fell in love with that model. And it felt like it chimed more with sort of the way my brain yeah. worked and having a kind of a, a, a broader set of interests. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, when I got to Dartmouth college, I, yeah, I, it's like, I got forced to take this through the like curriculum requirements. I got forced to take this course. They called it like, I mean, the subtitle for it was like, uh, uh, stars for poets. Uh, but it was like the like class that people who don't like science take to check yeah. off their science requirement or whatever. And as part of that, we had to do like a special project. And then I, I lobbied cause I had a bunch of other theater friends in the class and we lobbied to like, be able to do a like a play put on a play so we put on the Mm. life of galileo uh a a play about the life of galileo and like in doing that i was like oh wait a second this is like this is kind of awesome like science is interesting and wait a second like like science i always thought of it as this sort of dead thing where we already have the answers you know uh like the boiling point of whatever but 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 i was like oh wait a second like yeah wait a second like these were real people who were like figuring it out and and in fact like they're you know, we can kind of get to understand those stories and like they're really dramatic stories. They're really interesting. And so I was like, oh, wait a second. So so it was kind of like science itself wasn't, I don't know, it didn't like fit with me. But then telling stories about scientists or thinking about scientists, I was like, oh, now I get it. That works. I like that. And then and then I basically that sort of drew drove me into grad school where I studied the history of science, where I was like, oh, history, story science okay i like all those things it was kind of a left turn from theater and in fact i i I, in my head i I was like oh i'm gonna go back into theater but i'm just gonna kind of take a a A little little detour detour." yeah and i was like great i'll write some plays about you know just like the one i did in in undergrad like i'll write some plays about scientists or something it'll all make sense um but I, I, I went into grad school and I completely fell in love with that field then. I was like, the history of science is so amazing. So many great stories here, so many big questions. And here are the stories of kind of dramatic people of the past sort of grappling with them. And then as I, I was finishing my that degree, the PhD degree, I was like, wait a second, there aren't just dead people who are, who are trying to figure <laughs> out science. It's like these things still aren't figured out. People are still trying to figure this out. And I was like, oh, I want it. Like, huh, I, I would be, you know, looking at, the history of some scientist, maybe, a you know, a anesthesiologist or, a mm-hmm. you know, snowflake scientist or whatever it is. I'd be looking at something, yeah. something in the past and I'd be like, huh, I wonder if there's like a modern equivalent to that. And then I would find some person. I'll be like, this person is so interesting. They're doing it right now. I can go talk to them. So then it went from history of science to be like, oh, okay. So if I want to talk to people who are alive right now, who I can actually talk to, cause they're not dead, yeah. I'm going to do- go into science journalism. And that was kind of the, like the, like kind of logic thing where it was, it was yep. like, okay, story to stories of science, history of science to modern day. And then that was kind of my, my entree into, and then, so when I was in grad school, I started sort of freelancing, I started, yeah, kind of dipping my toe into this sort of science journalism world. Yeah. And it's basically like, like not that long after grad school, I got this job and I've, I've kind of wrote it uh, all the way since. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. I mean, I've been doing this program for a little while, just under a year now, and it's what what always fascinates me is just how like these pathways they're never linear they're never like no. from a to b straight across a line like they're always like there's are zigging and zagging and there's ups there's downs and it's really quite fascinating to see, and I think for guests as well. I mean, you know, some of the comments I get afterwards is like, it's it's interesting for them to kind of look back because you forget about all these little moments and these journey yeah. along the way, and you can kind of see it and look back from afar and like, oh, ah, okay, well, that's yeah. how this connected to that, and yeah, yeah, really for interesting. sure.
1: And it's it's first of all those, and I like I like to think of them in my life as like they were they were left hand turns, like they were yeah. really they were not they were not straight ahead, right? They were right. not linear. The yeah. and to me the kind of the, the other thing that makes that even more remarkable i guess is like so the two the two jobs that you mentioned that i have it's like one is i i co-host a podcast and one is i was a host of a a netflix docuseries when i was graduating from college neither of those two things existed there you go i had never heard of a podcast netflix was like mailing dvds to people like Mm -hmm like neither of those things i i i could never even have conceived of doing those things yeah. um and so really so to, so to me like even if i had charted a linear path like i don't know i don't even know if that job would still exist and that's and great. and in the meantime jobs that i did love and do feel like they speak to me so much more like opened up so so i don't know i i feel like that's not to say i mean there are people out there for whom they have a linear path and that's great and i hope they you yeah. know stick to it. But, 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 but for me that like, that's the, that's the way, that's the way that, um, that feels most true. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think that, that that speaks to that point of finding what drives you forward in a sense, right? Like finding that passion, you know, it's as cliche as it sounds to say, like, yeah. I, I think there is value to that. And it's sort of like you perfectly illustrates you know, what you were just speaking of right there. And in terms of that, I think like, what I picked up and I think most people do is like, mm. for you personally, I'm guessing and professionally, it's this notion of curiosity, which which yeah. drives you, I mean, you yeah. know, that's probably yeah. what's propelled you to where you are right now is that and that's part of your passion. And like, has that always been a thing? I, I would suspect it has been, like, even from from childhood.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and uh, well, I'll answer that question. But, like, so curiosity is one thing for sure. Like, I I feel like that's my one superpower. Like, I'm, like, very, very, very curious. And maybe enthusiasm is maybe my other one. I don't have a lot of skills besides those two things. Um, <laughs> But, uh, like, I do think that sort of my interests like curiosity was definitely one of the things that drove me. But like, I think there's like like a, a grab bag of skills that I feel like, or, or or interests, let's say, that I had that if you put them together, if you separate them out, they sound really disparate and kind of mm-hmm. random. Like yeah. I'm interested in theater and storytelling. I'm interested in science and like, and the natural world. I'm interested in history and like how things became the way. It, so like those three things are like kind of different yeah, But then to find a way to use those three things and, and, and everybody has their own, you know, constellation of different things, but then to then use them to triangulate to be like, oh, maybe I could uh, if I maybe if this if if there was a thing that existed that could combine this and this, but nobody's doing that. But 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 actually, that's good, because then I can walk into a place like Radiolab and I'll have pitches, you know, that nobody else has because they're not thinking about the history of science in a theatrical way or whatever it is. Right. So to me, it's like, like, I think that you're, you're so right. It's like finding the passion or like, but, but it's also like finding those things that, that you really love and then trying to triangulate based on those, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 Not too long ago, I had another guest on that, that you're familiar with that, you know, Reza Aslan. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, so great. What a great guy. Yeah,
0: exactly. New York Times bestselling author. He's also a producer of different television programs. Yeah, incredibly talented individual. And what he was speaking of on this show, it was that just that, what you were speaking of right now, is how he had seen, like he was embedded within academia. And he found like a lot of that to be, quite frankly, just boring to him, like the way the information was presented. And it wasn't the information that was the problem, because information itself was fascinating. It was just how it was being packaged up and put out into the world. So his idea was to take some of this and put it into a different medium, maybe write about it, produce works on it, maybe it's television programs. Whatever it might be, to kind of like you said, like triangulate and find like a little avenue that other people weren't necessarily exploiting or exploring.
1: He's a great he's a great case study of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, both of yeah. you are. Yeah. Quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, it's a really good point to add. But but
1: but, but to your but to your other point, like I do think here, I think curiosity is is and has been that thing for me where it's like, and I think it, it's sort of one of the things that has allowed me to become a a journalist like. Uh, I like to keep asking questions. I I don't mind being being or being perceived as uh which are both true and important, the dumbest person in the room. That's okay. Like like I like I feel I feel good about that. I like that. I, I that's the place I want to be in a way because it means I'm learning something, you know. And and I think that uh yeah, like I think for me as soon as I got to the place, you know, in let's say history of science uh grad school where I was like, okay, I'm starting to understand what's going on around here. Then I'm like, okay, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> um, and, and to me, I feel like I'm in a place where yeah, I, I feel really lucky that I'm like learning new things every day and I I can kind of keep stretching. Yeah, I can I can keep being curious and keep learning. And that that is like I, I feel so, so, so immensely lucky.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I do have another question here as well in terms of your work and what you're doing, and which probably feeds a lot of what we were just speaking about, is the actual uncovering of content. And I know you get asked this question all the time, but I know some of my listeners would probably love to hear it as well. So maybe you can just get yeah. a condensed version. But you know, sure. in terms of your process of coming up with these stories, I mean, again, it's part of your reputation, I, I suppose, is that like you do find these, these incredible stories that just have never been told. And, you know, how does this come about? Is it what I'm trying to get at here, I guess?
1: Yeah, for me, I I think that there's this feeling like like it's it's funny. It's the part of my job I just love. And it's funny because there are other journalists who hate it and dread it. Um, And then there are non I feel like a lot of like non journalists or, you know, non storyteller type folks who are like, where did these come from? Like as if they're uh, sort of these uh, I, I feel like in both of those cases, like the way that these folks kind of see stories are as these kind of like like r- rare Fabergé eggs, you know, that you kind of just have to find in nature or something. And to me, it's sort of the, the the useful thing. And the thing that really has opened the floodgates for me in terms of finding stories is to kind of just completely smash that idea um, yeah. and, and to flip it and to realize that, wait a second, no. Like, okay, so, and this is, I have this manifesto that I wrote that kind of, and this is sort of the way it goes, which is that it's like, okay, so imagine there are about 8 billion people on planet earth just presume 1% of them in any given week have something dynamic interesting newsworthy happen to them in any given week right and and then put together all the output of all the mainstream media outlets combined could they could they tell like I'm now missing the math here. What is it like eight, eight, 80 million, eight million whatever the number is, 800 million. Um, could, could they could they tell that many stories in a week? Like, no, no, it's impossible. Those are just alive people. There are also dead people and plants and animals and and consumer goods and laws and planets and bugs. And, you know, like 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 just there's there's pop songs. Songs. there's a million it's, it's, it's an infinity there are an infinity of stories all around us and mm. and like there's just this tiny fraction that we sort of just keep telling over and over and over again and you forget that like oh there's this whole it's like the light spectrum or something it's like we can only see this tiny 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 fraction of it and then we forget that there's like there's all this other stuff out there and so if you kind of can hack your filters in such a way That all of a sudden now, okay, I'm wearing special goggles that I can see ultraviolet rays. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, oh, there are stories everywhere. There are stories everywhere. And it's just a matter of framing. And once, to me, once you have that framing, all of a sudden now the world is a giant scavenger hunt. It's like, it's, and it's, it's a fun game. How do I find stories that other people aren't, you know, aren't telling or aren't paying attention to that, that, Mm -hmm. that they really ought to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 And uh, returning back to our, our good friend, Wikipedia, is this where Wikipedia enters the story for you in terms of uh Oh my God, all the stuff, time. I procrastinate
1: right? all the time on Wikipedia. I've found so many stories on Wikipedia. I've found so many, like for me, what's, uh, and this is something, another one of your guests, Margo Williams, who I have tremendous admiration and respect for, uh, she said, like, it's like, she doesn't read Wikipedia for the page, she reads it for the footnotes. Like, oh, there's gold in those footnotes. Like Wikipedia is a, is a, I don't know. To me, it's like a it's like an intellectual Mecca. But like, you you know, we pass it off like it's just this ordinary thing. It's it's amazing. It's incredible. Anybody who is alive at any time other than now, if you showed them Wikipedia, they would cry. They would weep with 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 joy and awe. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And it's like a, a kind of yeah, it's like a sort of a serendipity machine where you kind of can just jump, jump, jump. Like you do three jumps and you're in a place where you're like, I've never been here before. I don't know any of this stuff. Uh and and to me that's like a yeah, that's a that's a real gift. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, some of your, your your inspiration, you know, does come from Wikipedia. And then just, I guess, you're know, wearing these goggles and just kind of interpreting the world in different ways.
1: Is there anything else you
0: could add to that or is that?
1: Yeah, there's tons of little hacks. I have like a series of like 20 story finding tips that I wrote in this manifesto on this great website, transom.org, which I would recommend to people who are either starting out journalists or starting out podcasters or things like that. But um yeah what are what are some other good story finding t- tips I think uh, one that is great is for me I like to go to talks I like to go to talks a lot like lectures and and what you can do is there's so many websites or like even YouTube or Eventbrite or whatever you just go to one of these websites and you just literally can search I I literally will go to Eventbrite I'll search the word lecture with a filter for free and then you yep. can just the number of lectures at any given time of day or night you know like you can just kind of eavesdrop on really smart people thinking out loud about their about their topic. It's like you you know are reading a whole nonfiction book like in an hour or something. And if it's boring, you just leave and it's Zoom, and nobody else even notice. But yeah, that was something I developed when I was in grad school. I just developed, and and even when I was an undergrad, uh, uh, for part of it, I, I developed this policy where I would just force myself to go to a talk a day. On a topic that I knew nothing about, that I didn't know about, that I didn't care about, maybe even seemed like it would be especially boring. And then the game is like, how can I, how can I make this not boring? How can I convince myself there's actually something worth paying attention to here? How can that. I not have wasted my time here? How can I learn something that actually yeah. I wouldn't have known any other way? And and so to me that like it's like if you make it a game where <laughs> you know it's a scavenger hunt, it's a it's a you, you know you and and the, and the prize is you get to learn more about. Our planet, ourselves, our all of a sudden, I don't know. To me, it like it like awakens the world in this way.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that perfectly encapsulates that that idea that you already presented earlier of like putting those goggles on, you know, and looking at the world in yep. a different way. And if you can kind of like trick yourself into like seeing things differently, viewing things differently, interpreting things differently. You're right. I mean, the world totally, totally opens up for you. And uh, if anything, the the bigger challenge probably is like narrowing things down and deciding on what the next thing you want to cover would be, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, not finding the true. stories. It's, it's
0: yeah, choosing which ones you choosing want to cover. Choosing them. After.
1: Very, very, yeah. very true. But but but, and that's I mean, your job as a curator podcaster, let's say, our our job. But but for those people out there who just kind of are looking to, I don't know, to like like a, like re wonder their lives you know are like looking for the awe and the wonder and the reason to get up in the morning like to me that's the thing like that's the thing you can do to 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 yeah find, find some, some joy find some joy yeah to me like i get tremendous amount of joy from that and like anytime when i'm flagging or i'm like what the hell am i doing again why am i doing this why do i why, like what am i wasting my my life on here you just do that you just go out and find something you know it's not, find something that you don't know uh and 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 to me that act of learning is like it's just it's it's invigorating
0: mm, that's probably the best word for it yeah no i totally agree totally agree all right well i do have another question here and this one i don't know maybe this one is a little bit radio lavia. i'm not sure and sure it's a little bit out there i'm mean, gonna qualify it no problem a little bit out there.
1: that's where i live yeah great
0: perfect then all right well in terms of what you do, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of accomplishment along the way and, and to this point, I mean, you're on a show that's listened to by millions of people, you know, and you're, you're adored by, you know, fans from all over the world, not just in North America, like all over the world, right? And, you know, I've been reading a little bit recently and the same thing, you come across different things that sort of surprise you or interest you and with this whole rise of podcasts and whatnot, I mean, it's a fairly intimate medium, you're, you're getting to know these hosts who oftentimes are sharing Different you know, details about their lives, in addition to whatever yeah. the topic matter, and yeah. I think that's really quite fascinating. But there's been this rise, this psychological sort of phenomena where, well, what they call it is a parasocial relationship, right? And basically, what's happening here for listeners who don't know, I'll just read off the definition really quickly. A parasocial relationship refers to the psychological relationship viewers or listeners come to consider with media personalities. They tend to consider them as friends, despite having you know no or limited interactions with them. Um, and this condition sort of developed over repeated exposure, you know, feelings of friendship, uh, intimacy, identification with this person. And, of course, the defining trait is just totally one way, one way, mm-hmm. right? Now, this right. probably isn't all that new. I mean, radio has been around forever and, you know, television and yep. whatnot. But podcasts, I think, have maybe amplified it to a certain degree. Mm. And I've always been kind of curious about this from the perspective of someone who's on the other side of it, you know, like, how do you sort of take that? Is it, is it a bit creepy? Is it, I don't know, sort of I don't know, flattering at times or, or, or do yeah. you even experience this? I don't know. What, what would you say to all this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I, I definitely, I mean, to a limited degree, but like, it, it makes sense, right? Like, like, especially yeah. podcasts and you're, you're totally right. Like we, we say all the time, like podcast people Often they're listening with earbuds, which means we are literally the noise is coming to you. The sound of my voice is coming to you from inside your own skull. Like, like I am, I am a voice in your, inside your head. Right. Uh, like, and that's, you can't get more intimate than that. Exactly. Um, so to me, that's kind of natural like that. And, and, and it's, it's funny, like when you're reading something on a page you don't, I don't know. There's something about hearing a human voice. Even if I was just reading literally the thing you were, you, you yourself yeah. could have read on a page. All of a sudden you're like, huh, who's that voice? Oh, did, wh- yeah. what did he do there with that word? Or like, it just makes you all of a sudden be like, who is this person reading to me? Like, what do they think about it? What do they say? Connections amplified if anything,
0: right? Yeah, I think so. It's firing off a whole bunch of other neurons in your brain. I think that, yeah, yeah. that kind of lead to this and
1: I think so. I think so. And 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 it's um so so it makes sense why that sort of happens. And I'm I feel like I'm lucky in the way that like there are a lot of other people for whom this can be really intense and and unsavory and and really uh you know puts them off. Like, you know, and I think this especially happens to like women or people of color and people like like you know, queer people or like there, there are a lot of certain kinds of people who this Kind of disproportionately can be uncomfortable for, right? I would say my experience, and maybe it's just because I, yeah, I don't know. I like in my experience, it's been quite positive. Uh, mm. I I feel like I people they ask me for help or for questions in a way that feels like very honest and earnest and maybe it's and it's like I'm like I live in LA like the, if you want celebrities there are way bigger celebrities in in any direction around me but I feel like Radio Lab is a maybe in in grand media landscape like Radio Lab is sort of a niche enough thing that yeah I don't know the people that come and try to talk to me and and the people who are our fans and who feel that kind of intimate connection like I I tend to I tend to kinda I tend to kinda like it and I, I like those people and yeah. and and kind of we can have a a kind of a nice conversation. That said, there have been times when yeah, when it's been uncomfortable when mm. people will come and they do things or say things or uh act in a way that it's like that's not that's right. not appropriate. Appropriate. Like uh one time when I you know I felt kind of uh yeah, it felt weird. I guess I could say, um, was uh, in the aftermath of the 2020 election. And that was right also around the time of the all the uh, George Floyd protests. and, and, And there were people who were who were using and explicitly quoting my I did one of the episodes I did of the Netflix show Connected was about this thing called Benford's Law and there were people who were kind of citing my show as sort of evidence that Benford's law could prove that Joe Biden didn't win the election, Benford's law could prove that the video of George Floyd being murdered was fake, things like that. And and so I was like that's and 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 then kind of also in a way we're trying to we're emailing me trying to say like thinking that of course I agreed with them and I was on their yeah. side and so like and so I was like that's really that's not at all anything that was even remotely what I was trying to do uh, or what I was saying. And so, yeah, I don't know. There are like moments like that where you're like, Oh, like, what am I even like? What's coming across here? Like it's so, so little of it is anything I actually intend. um, Mm. What, what is going on here? But I don't know. In general, I, I, I feel like I I've been, I've been really lucky. I've met so many cool people who are fans of the show and I, I like getting, I mean, I like hearing from, like, I'm very bad at responding, but I like hearing from people. I like, yeah, I, I mean, like that. He- like, yeah. Sorry, anyway, I was on. just going
0: to say it's part of human nature to a degree. I mean, when you're yeah. getting compliments, like, who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like having, yeah. you know, a pat on the back sure. once in a while? Well, and if, if those are the, the majority of comments or, you know, things that are coming in, then yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's also on the flip side. Like, it's like, you know, I, I feel like the thing I was saying before, like, it's like stories are everywhere. Like, people, people, people write in with their stories and you're like, wow, that's such a special thing. Like, literally the other day, I was just, I was like walking down the street and then this person heard, because I did this story about, um, which is probably, again, one of the most intimate stories I did. I did a story about how I got Crohn's disease um, mm-hmm. and, and I had, and I had to go to the hospital and I kind of chronicled it in this episode and, and someone like so many people reached out to me and they're like, look, like I have Crohn's disease. And then, and then the other day I was walking down the street and then somebody said, oh, look, like I'm, I'm a scientist and I'm helping develop a, a, a drug for ulcerative colitis, which is a lot like Crohn's disease. And I was like, oh, like it was just a, and, and, and that, that episode was really meaningful to to that person. and And I was like, oh, that's. Like that's awesome. Like yeah, I yeah, yeah. if I can if I can, I don't know. It's it's true that it can be weird and parasocial, but from the flip side, it's also weird where I work so hard and, and, and all my colleagues do. We work so hard and we make stuff and you do too. You know what this is like as well. And then you just hit publish and you're like, I don't know. Did anybody listen to it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, did, yeah, and right, if right, they right. did, like, are these just numbers? Like, who are who are these people? What do they feel? So so I don't know. There is a kind of there's one way to see that as a parasocial, and then and then like from from the flip side though, it's like it's like am I just screaming into the void? Like, is anybody hearing this? Like you yeah. don't get any feedback, really. Um, so so anytime you do get feedback, I don't know, it's it's valuable. Sorry, yeah. that was a long rambly answer. but oh uh, no, no,
0: no, but I love it. And I think it was just a really fascinating sort of thing to to explore a little bit because I think all of us, like you said, I you started answering this question, you know, and you, you have these earphones in your in your in in your head, you know, basically, like with these people continually over and over again, and, uh, I think to a degree, I mean, it's probably a spectrum of where this occurs. And even, you know, for myself as a listener of various podcasts over time, you catch yourself and like, wait a minute, you know, like you feel like you start to know the person you're like, ah, hold on a second. Wait, obviously. No, I don't. Sure. I don't know this person, but sure, like, sure. you could easily see how that could spiral out, you know? Right. Well,
1: and, and you, you see how intense it gets, like, uh, like, a, yeah. you know, uh, when, especially when there's like a, some scandal and some podcast host does something that you really don't like. And then everyone yeah. gets like disproportionately angry and you're like, oh, because you th- you thought you're friends with them and then your friend did this horrible thing and you feel betrayed, but like th- they weren't really your friend exactly. But yeah, but like, uh, like you can see it. You could see it. It's definitely a thing. Yeah. Um yeah, that's for sure.
0: I would like to transition into another segment here. Something called a water cooler story segment. And this sure. is a segment where I just indulge listeners, you know, with a story from uh, from the
1: guest. So I'd love to hear what sure. you think and I, I don't know i I hope we use this on radio Lab. i have no idea whether we will or not but it just it just happened uh literally right before i jumped into this interview i was on a different interview with the astrophysicist sandra faber like a really like a legendary astrophysicist who had a huge hand in kind of how we understand dark matter how we understand how galaxies were created she won a national medal of science from president obama and she's just like a v- immensely impressive person yeah. uh, who has devoted her whole life and career to studying the universe and i was talking to her and she just it was like right at the tail end of the interview and she said something that just like blew me away and ho- hopefully we're going to use it on radio Lab, but i'll just i'm just going to tell it yeah. anyway Cause I'm probably going to bastardize it and whatever people will still listen to it on radio lab. Cause it's, it's yeah, yeah. when she says it, it's prettier. Um, but basically the thing she said to me was cause she is of the belief. I guess there are a lot of astrophysicists who think that, you know, given the size of the universe, places like earth with complex life, maybe it's actually kind of a common thing. Maybe it's not so unusual. She thinks it's pretty unusual. She thinks mm-hmm. for, for a bunch of different reasons that like life is a, like earth is a rare place. Life is a rare thing. And she thinks, she even said this in the interview, that we are probably alone as complex life, as we kind of conceive of it. We are probably alone. She thinks in this galaxy, she thinks in the Milky way, we are the only living things. And she was doing the interview and she looked kind of out her window. And she's like, I can see a redwood tree right there. And that redwood tree a tree you just walk by every day Wh- whatever tree doesn't even matter what kind of tree you just walk by it every day without thinking about it that that is more interesting than 99.999999999% of things in our galaxy that like actually earth is so unusual and special and like capable of producing these complex amalgamations of molecules and elements in such a way that, you know, w- w- with, with low entropy, like there is more kind of the most boring thing on Earth is still the most interesting thing in the galaxy. And sort of everything around us, we, we, we just take it for granted, but it is actually like epically interesting. It's mm. like you could travel more lifetimes than humans have had in the universe looking for interesting stuff and you wouldn't find you know in in all that time what you would find on you know on a walk down the driveway like yeah which is like i was like oh my god like that what a reframe there you know
0: it is yeah and it's perfect Uh, like i love that story right now because it's like it it's in tune with everything we've been speaking about, you know, in in this conversation. Quite frankly, you know, it's just like putting on those goggles and looking at the world right. in a different way. Right. And and once right. you do, once you can kind of like trick yourself into it, or like as you were saying, you know, make a game out of it. You know, what can you learn yeah. about it? Yeah. The level of intrigue goes from like zero right. to a hundred in like three seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how yeah. fast that can happen. And, and probably have those reminders from time to time is helpful. And it sounds like you know never hurts a reminder coming from somebody as impressive as the person you just described. Right, right, exactly, (laughs) right. Kind of colors it in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. it really just knocked me right off my feet when she said that. Like, I was like, Mm. oh, wow, that's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful to Mm. think. Like, she's like, yeah, the universe, it's like like big, but it's kind of boring. Like, it's like, er, like, size doesn't matter. Like, Earth is tiny. A redwood tree is tiny. But it's like, it's so rich. It's so complicated. I love yeah, that. It's so cool.
0: All right. Well, you know, we're, we're drawn to a close here and I am conscious of your time, but maybe we got to just squeeze one more question in here on sure. this last segment, a crystal ball segment, as the name implies, we're looking for the future, it's yep. usually trans prediction, so on and so forth. And in terms of, I guess, moving forward, you know, we've spoken about Radio Lab, we've spoken about you yourself, you know, professionally speaking, what drives you, where you're going. I'd love to know where you're, you're headed. Maybe the show for one, you know, putting your own stamp on things and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like w- w- what's in the pipeline for you moving forward? There's certain things that you still want to check off, you know, personally and professionally. Oh, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, there's yeah. a million. I, I have, I personally just personally in for the show. I mean, I think we have, we have so many, like I have specific projects going on. Lulu has specific projects going on. A bunch of the staff has specific projects going on. We have stuff like our. Our pantry is pretty stocked. Like we got some really exciting stuff coming up that I am, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very very enthusiastic about. As for the like field as a whole, in a way, I feel like I'm like my eight ball is like inconclusive. I really like when when I started in the world of podcasting, it, it really felt like it was the thing where it was like, oh you know, this thing isn't good enough to go on the radio, I guess, just put it on the web. Like, it was the, it was the DVD extras. It was, like, the thing that it was like, oh, maybe someone will listen to it over there. And now, the fact that we're at a point where, like, podcasts are getting Pulitzers, podcasts are, like, influencing Supreme Court cases, podcasts are, are you know, like...
0: Driving media.
1: Driving media. People are... Joe Rogan is being paid $100 million to make a podcast or whatever. Not that, you know, I have a... Opinion on that one way or the other, but, um, but like, like that's crazy. I never would have seen that coming. Never. I'm still shocked by all of that. And, and as for where it's going to go next, I've kind of been around long enough to know that I I have literally zero prognostication skills.
0: Uh, (laughs) fair enough. Well, we're so excited and you know, to see where it all goes, obviously, with your show and, you know, for, for what you're doing, too. And I'm sure uh, it seems as though, you know, from the outsider's perspective, whatever you get your fingers, you know, touching.
1: Or Thank on, you very much. You know,
0: it has turned to gold.
1: That is kind of you to say. That is kind of you to say. But yeah, I'm 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 very grateful. And I mean, I guess you and I both, we will see what this field we are in. Yeah. Will will do. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Latif. I mean, it's really been a true, true pleasure having you on the program today. And uh, yeah, thanks for your time.
1: My pleasure. Pleasure is all mine.
0: Well, for those interested in learning more about Latif and his work, of course, you can find him on Radio Lab. You can check him out the other Latif, his other podcast series, and then also go to Netflix. See that docu series, Connected. You won't be disappointed there. If you like today's show, please be sure to share. You know, in the light of the conversation we're just having, you know, that stuff helps. It helps tremendously. You can also rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. And then head on over to YouTube. Within the last year, I did launch a channel you can catch full video conversations, much like the one we had today with Latif. And the cool thing there is there will be some imagery associated with the actual show. And then finally, don't forget to join us for the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.